0: Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello and
1: welcome to The Chaser Report for Monday the 12th of July 2021. Charles Firth, something good happened. What? Really? It did. Something actually good when? happened on Saturday night or early on Sunday morning our time.
2: Well, it, it can't have been uh, the Australian cricket team because they have been a disaster all weekend against the West Indies. Nope. And it was a total nope. disaster.
1: Forget cricket. Forget men doing sport. It's all about Ash Barty who won Wimbledon. She won the ladies' singles, as they call them, what an mm. incredible accomplishment. Um, so proud. And it provided me at least about an hour and a half of stopping reading about the <laughs> fuck up in New South Wales with COVID. So yeah. thank you, Ash Barty, so much.
2: Yes, thank you, Ash Barty. And I'll tell you what, you know that Ash Barty has won the most titles of any player in the world since t- 2017?
1: Well, she's been number one uh, for like almost two yeah. years now, partly because there was no tennis played last year. What this means, Charles, is that she's one win closer to breaking Margaret Court's record, so we never have to talk about that bigot again.
2: That is, that's a really great one. The other great one is that she's actually the first cricketer to win Wimbledon since <laughs> yeah. 1871. This is true. She was a first-class cricketer, isn't she it? She took a break. She took a break from tennis, yes. Yes. and
1: she's so good at cricket that she went off and played for like the, the <laughs> Brisbane uh, Big Bash side, won yeah. quite a few games and stuff, and then just yes. went back to tennis. So Amazing. Yeah.
2: But I think it's now incumbent on her to quit tennis now that she's achieved her dream (laughs) and everything like that. Go back to cricket, join the men's cricket team and fucking help them out.
1: But it wasn't all upside Fresh, She had to meet Wills and Kate after she won. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She had, she had to make small talk with them. Can you imagine? Did she sort of complain about, you know, England
2: invading her land? I think she
1: should have just claimed centre court.
2: Yes, for for Indigenous people in Australia. That's a great idea. It
1: was, it, it's terra nullius. It is, it's terra nullius. No British woman's won that title in a very long time. Mm. Um, but just, just imagine the message this sends to Indigenous kids growing up all around Australia, that they will be loved by everyone in this country just as long as they're good at winning Grand Slam tennis matches.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's, that's all you need to do.
1: Simple. But I do like Ash Barty, though. This whole thing of just no big talk, you just deliver. I mean, I'm just thinking I should put her in charge of the vaccine rollout. <laughs> it's
2: a great idea. Like, like, wait a minute. Let's have a look. She's got no experience in vaccine rollouts. Mm-hmm. So she's in her 20s. She doesn't quite know what she's doing. She's got absolutely no expertise in any sort of administrative role. She's been playing tennis her whole life, except for when she played the cricket. She could do a much better job than anyone who's doing it at the moment. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Does she know how to shoot people? Because that's actually the main criteria now for being charged with the vaccine rollout.
1: Um, well, she played some pretty good shots last
2: night. Hey, Very accurate. That'll do. Sign her up.
1: Coming up on the show, we're going to look at the absolute fuck-up that is the New South Wales. COVID response, Mark Pesci, the futurist and scientist, has been having a look at the numbers. And yeah, it's not going to be optimistic, Charles, that one. And we wanted to find
2: somebody who was in a worse situation than us when it comes to locking down. And it turns out that friend of the show, Jenna Owen, is actually in hotel quarantine at the moment. So we're going to have a cross to her. But first, let's go to Rebecca Donomuno.
0: The COVID outbreak in Sydney has widened, with 77 new cases recorded on Sunday, forcing Gladys Berejiklian to warn residents in southwest Sydney to stay indoors or face immediate execution by the police, and residents in the eastern suburbs to only go shopping for Gucci handbags once a day, and only if completely necessary. Prime Minister Scott Morrison expressed dismay that people are pinning the blame on him, pointing out that he hasn't done anything. Ever. Meanwhile the Prime Minister has taken a vacation from his vacation to announce the military will be deployed to oversee the vaccine rollout. The government said it was an obvious choice as the ADF are experts when it comes to ensuring civilians get shots. The federal government has admitted that 163 boys from the St Joseph's private school in Sydney were accidentally given commuter car parks as part of an administrative bungle. The revelation comes after the boys were all accidentally given Pfizer jabs after they tripped over an unvaccinated aged care worker on their way to school. That's the latest Chaser News you can't trust. I'm Rebecca De Unamuno.
3: plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: The
2: Chaser Report is brought to you by Skiing a great way to meet people who are
1: really into negative gearing Skiing Everyone in Sydney has been trying to make sense of the numbers over the weekend from the Premier down trying to get a sense of what direction This outbreak is going. It seems to be getting worse and worse. But one person who really had a fascinating projection about all this is Mark Pesci. He's an engineer. He's a futurist. He's the host of the Next Billion Seconds podcast and an old friend of ours. um, He actually invented the computer protocol that was used to help uh, virtual reality come together on the web. So he is pretty good with all things maths and numbers, although not an epidemiologist. However, he's done some calculations and let's just say they're not (laughs) Looking great. Hello, Mark. Thanks for joining us.
3: Hi there, Dom. And they're not. And I'm not an epidemiologist. I want to say that. So please don't write me any angry letters. But you can figure out how trend lines are looking, can't you? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We've been doing that since the beginning of the pandemic. And right now, they're looking really bad. You know, we talked about exponentials a year ago when the numbers got very big very quickly, and that mm. seems to be where we are right now in Sydney, where we saw literally a 50% day-on-day increase in cases between Saturday and Sunday's numbers.
1: Mm. You could really say it's a gold standard increase, isn't
3: it? <laughs> <laughs> you you might say
1: that. <laughs>
2: But, Mark, one of the most sobering things that you said on Twitter over the weekend was the idea that, you know, these numbers that are coming through now, they're sort of based on what we were doing a week ago, and we'd already entered lockdown a week ago. That means that it's an exponential growth, despite the fact
3: that we've supposedly been in lockdown for for over a week. Although, let's all be serious, until until the premier was visibly shaken mm. thursday friday this week i feel as though most sydney siders kind of weren't taking it that seriously. We'd all kind of, yeah, we'll roll with the punches. And all of a sudden, and I can tell very definitively, being just a little bit outside of the house today, that there are very few people out. So it feels as though we kind of tried to, oh, yeah, it's a lockdown. Yeah, we're not going to do too much. And now we're actually like, oh, wait, this is an actual
1: lockdown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think even the Premier got that sense. But, Mark, can you just lay out the numbers for us before we get into the full panic?
3: So... What we've seen just in this week is that we're currently doubling the number of cases every three days. And if we have – because of the way COVID works, if we've baked in another two generations, which Mm. we kind of do with numbers like this, then that could very well mean if we don't flatten the curve significantly over the next week, that by the time next weekend rolls around, Sydney could easily be seeing 200 cases or more a day. Right, and we know, we know statistically, ten percent of those folks will end up in hospital. One third of those will end up in ICU, and another third of those will end up on a ventilator.
1: Yeah, and you've already got people in their twenties and thirties in those sort of situations because Delta, as we keep saying, Delta is different. It's much worse. I mean, if only, let's say, a country of more than a billion people had had Delta, I don't know, a few months ago, and discovered that it swept through families in in a blink of an eye. Maybe if. Yeah we'd actually listened to the people who'd had this experience, and I'm related to some of them, in, in sort of April and May, and adjusted accordingly, Mark.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's, this is where I think all of us in Australia are going to wear the fact that we thought we dodged the bullet. In fact, what we dodged was the first barrage. Mm. Yeah. One of the points that you made was that
2: nowhere in the world, no polity has actually got... These strain under control, have they?
3: We are holding out hope that the Taiwanese have, but the jury is still out. But mm. pretty much everywhere, that was a success story. And I mean, South Korea is basically tracking along the same line Sydney is right mm. now. If you just mm. adjust for population, the numbers are pretty much the same. Thailand, Vietnam, all these countries that were success stories are now buckling under Delta. And the numbers I saw out of the EU this morning, an 800% increase in cases in the Netherlands week on week. And Spain is trending similarly. It's funny, isn't it? Because success in the initial
1: phase uh, meant you didn't get as many vaccines, you were less in a rush, you felt you could sit back and see which vaccines work and which are better. And then now... We're discovering we aren't nearly vaccinated enough. And even though in the UK they're, they're going hell for leather and there's, it's spreading massively, there's fewer hospitalizations. So we're really victims of our own success here.
3: And it's even a little bit more complicated. This morning, I was sent along a paper that was written by researchers at the ANU, and it lays out something that I think is very important to share with people. They took a look at the transmissibility of Delta, and Delta has an R naught, that, that infection factor of probably six to eight. So it's way up there, right? Mm. And they said, okay, with the coverage that you get with the two vaccines we have, even though people won't end up in hospital if they've double vaccinated by AstraZeneca, they they may very well catch COVID and they may very well transmit COVID. And so we don't get enough of a firewall effect. And so they said that unless we vaccinate 90% of the country with Pfizer, I think a similar, probably Moderna would be all right, all the way down to children, that's 90% of everyone, we will have a raging Delta pandemic. Now, that doesn't mean that people shouldn't get their AstraZeneca jabs as they should. It means that they're going to need, we're all going to need a top-up on the Pfizer jab to get that extra firewall because if not, Delta is so infectious it is simply going to resist every attempt to control it. Now That paper was published a week ago. We haven't seen it anywhere. It's the ANU. These are reputable researchers. This is Mm. something we need to discuss because this now dictates our policy going forward. Well, Pfizer themselves
1: have come out and said everyone needs a third jab. Um, So this is going to be our future is just continually getting more vaccines. But a lot of people haven't had their first that must be a very scary thing right now for those people.
3: Yeah. I look, at I, th- I feel as though the vaccine hesitancy that people are having, and I have to cop it because I didn't want to get the AstraZeneca vaccine because I just I, – I, I, but, you know, at the end, I was at my GP on exactly the right day that he finally had enough doses to open a vaccine clinic. He said, I'm signing up, and I didn't argue, and I am really glad I did that. So there's that. I think there's vaccine hesitancy because we thought we had choice. We thought we could take time rather than actually just all piling in. Yeah. And the wonderful thing about Australia, I've been here 18 years now, is that when this country makes up its mind about something, it just you get out of the way. It's all in. And it feels like that's what's happening with vaccine, of course. We don't have the supply.
2: Yeah, so just spitballing here. Speaking as a non-expert, non-epidemiologist.
1: No one's getting their health advice from the Chaser podcast, please.
2: (laughs) Do you reckon, do you just reckon, Mark, when Pfizer offered all those doses of vaccine back in July last year, that maybe, just
3: maybe we should have taken them up on this offer? I think we should have accepted every offer on the table because if we'd ended up with too many vaccines, we could have distributed them liberally among, among our Oceania friends. And that's mm. you know, it's exactly what we would have done. We'd give them the PNG, we'd give them the Fiji, and all of the islands, given some to the Kiwis, maybe if they needed them, whatever. Mm. We would have made friends with them. We could easily afford it. I understand, I mean at the same time, the mRNA vaccines were brand new back in July. So I understand why the scientific evidence was cautious around this. But if it's really just, well, look at, you know, worst case, we don't have to pay for them because they don't work, right? Because that's really what would have happened. You sign on the dotted line.
2: Mark, 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 if we'd spent 200 million on those Pfizer vaccines, we wouldn't have been able to spend 200 million on those Car parks, fast,
1: fast, Car testing, parks. fast t- No, the fast testing kits that Andrew Forrest got <laughs> yeah. from China that God. we never used and they expired the other God day. Got to remember those. Yeah, yeah, they were fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's the thing. Why would you throw money at yeah, Pfizer yes. when AstraZeneca was quite a lot cheaper? Sure, sure, it didn't kills work. people in very small numbers, but yeah. it, you know, it was cheaper. <laughs> they
3: didn't. They didn't know anything about the uh, the TTP deaths back in. In July last year. I and mean, AstraZeneca was still looking quite good. And I think it is still quite good. I mean, they're using it in Britain in part because they're willing to accept a number of deaths as part of their vaccine mm. campaign because everything pales next to the, what, 130,000 yeah. people that they've lost? Yeah. I mean, just an incon- inconceivably large number. So their risk management is different.
2: Hell, hell, I'd even
1: take the one that gave you AIDS.
2: <laughs> well, that's
1: the <laughs> thing. That's why we didn't take it because we thought that the one from Queensland was going to be fine anyway. It's pretty scary to look at the numbers, Mark, what do you think our chances are at this point of getting out of it?
3: Yeah, are we, are we going to have Christmas in lockdown? There's two ways out of this. As I said in that Twitter thread, right, either we managed to suppress the outbreak. And again, that is the big question here, right? Can we do that? Maybe it is going to be hard yards. We are going to have to accept a level of restrictions we couldn't even conceive of last year when we were fully locked down and really going, oh, my God, how bad is this? Like Melbourne got a really hard lockdown last year sydney may have to go harder than that because delta is simply so much more transmissible right like every little mistake anyone makes because it relies on all of us not just doing the right thing but not making mistakes and human beings make mistakes that's that's our deal right (laughs) so there's that so we can try to get in front of it that way And then if that doesn't work, we're going to have to vaccinate our way out of it. And let me be a little heretical here. I have to put an idea out here. I really think it's time for us to consider begging the other states to give us a little bit more vaccine a little bit sooner so that we can actually ring vaccinate. This is what it's called. We can ring vaccinate Sydney. Let me give you a case in point. Last month, an Ebola outbreak in Equatorial Guinea was Killed dead in three months, first time that it ever happened because they vaccinated 18,000 people in the space of two weeks because we have a working Ebola vaccine now, all right? So this is something that we know works. If we can do it, I I think the public health professionals will start talking about this if this outbreak looks like it's just going to go on. Because the Mm. only way through is to get enough herd immunity in Sydney that we can crush the outbreak that way if we can't crush it simply by suppression. I support that idea. And I'm not an epidemiologist.
2: No, I'd support it because it'll really, really piss off all my milk. Melbourne friends
1: (laughs) Sorry you can't get vaccinated Sydney comes first (laughs) But it actually makes sense That gives us some note for hope And if we do have that hope If we manage to squash this thing I mean what are the odds that hotel quarantine Would just seed it again a week later
3: (laughs) I think we're not going to be seeing A lot more hotel quarantine Because (sighs) we have to remember One case did this One single Ah. case did this
1: Let's hope Ah. we get vaccinated, Mark. Let's hope we get a lot more (laughs) vaccines a lot faster. Thank you so much.
3: It's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you. And stay safe, everyone. Make sure you subscribe to Mark's podcast.
1: The next billion seconds you need stuff to listen to in lockdown. During the editing process, just want to add two quick things. Firstly, the ANU study that Mark referred to is linked to in the description of this episode of the podcast. Secondly, before all the Melbournians write to us, we acknowledge Victoria beat off a Delta outbreak. Only place in the world to do so. Well done, Victoria.
2: This episode is brought to you by Skiing. What everyone does at the snow to kill time before they get maggoted on small batch artisanal gin. Skiing. Now, over the weekend, the government announced that they're actually going to do something at last about vaccinating Australia, Dom.
1: Well, Charles, on Friday, Scott Morrison said, oh, I've brought forward all the Pfizer vaccines. And it turned out there was absolutely no change. Pfizer was like, no, things are exactly the same. So if they're doing more than that...
2: Well, not really. Uh, What they're doing is they've decided to launch an ad campaign. Oh. Is it an ad for a
1: different Prime Minister?
2: (laughs) No, it's an ad to get vaccinated. But you know how they've appointed the military to run the vaccination campaign
1: now? I never really feel sorry for military people, but I do at the moment.
2: They've come up with a very militaristic ad. Uh, The the whole theme of the campaign is called Arm Yourself. Oh, and it's sort of, you know, got people's arms mm. ready for the jab. It's weirdly a bit like it's been thought of by military people. Like like an arms race. Yes, yes. It's all very weird, um, especially given, you know, our military's recent history when it comes to people getting shot, especially civilians getting shot. But anyway, we're very lucky to have a sneak preview of the first ad in this campaign. And uh, we'll play it now. All right, you scum, you vermin, you low-light nitty-wells. listen to me. I'm the head of the Australian military, and I'm here to tell you Australia is now on a war footing against Corona. What, now? After 18 months? Like most wars we get involved in, heavy-handed military tactics are completely unsuited for the task of vaccinating Australia. But we're going to use them anyway. So I'm ordering everyone to arm yourself with a vaccine stat. It's your patriotic duty. But, uh, sir, so there aren't enough vaccines to go around. It's not that people don't want to get vaccinated. The government just didn't order enough. That's why you need to arm yourself. Simply find someone with a ready supply of vaccine shoot them in the face and take their vaccine. But isn't killing civilians illegal? Well, this is the Australian Army. When has that ever stopped us before? This is horrific. Oh, and uh, every hero who takes the vaccine will receive a free beer. Oh, great. Served in the leg of a dead civilian. Uh, I'll pass. Or at least come and toast a marshmallow around our Special Forces campfire, made from the burning laptops of decorated war heroes. I feel sick. Which is why, Australia, you need to arm yourself. It's the only way you're going to be able to get a vaccine.
4: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like
3: to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided
4: to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at Mintmobile.com
3: slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at Mintmobile.com
2: The Chase Report is brought to you by Skein. It's the expensive white powder that's legal. Well, Sydney has had it hard, so we thought we should find someone who has had it even tougher in the last few days, uh, just to make everyone in Sydney feel a bit better about their own situation. So we thought, let's have a chat to someone who's locked up in hotel quarantine for 14 days with no ability to leave, just four walls and a TV to watch. Turns out one of our friends of the show uh, and the feeds, Jenna Owen... Is uh, currently stuck in hotel quarantine in Brisbane. Jenna, how are you coping?
4: Okay, so I stuck the bat. I don't know if it's just day two, but I feel like I actually might have it better than most people in Sydney.
2: Oh, <laughs> really? Why?
4: I'm liking it so far. So far, I tell you what happens. Right, you like wake up any time you want. There's no one here to you know, judge you or, or tell you when you should be getting up or when you shouldn't be. You open your door with a mask on. You've got to put your mask on. Otherwise, you're subject to $14,000 in fine. There's a, a lovely pop told me as he <sighs> escorted me to my room. Um, wow. And as a breakfast set, I'll tell you what was for the, this morning's breakfast because I get a menu every day. Boiled eggs, bacon, sausages and hash browns served with fruit salad, yogurt, and a piece of fruit. And I also got a juice box this morning as well. I was just breakfast. Wow. Wow. That sounds yeah. all right. And
2: and it's just there. It's just literally, it's pre-made just sitting there.
4: Dropped outside my door in a, in a paper bag. I don't even have to, well, in fact, I'm not allowed to engage with anyone to even get it.
2: So <laughs> It's an introvert's <laughs> paradise.
4: <laughs> it's, it's an introvert's paradise. And it's also, you don't have the shame of like the Uber Eats. Delivery. You know when you get an Uber Eats delivery and you have to do an awkward little song and dance to the delivery person, and mm. and you look them in the eyes, and then you know you're not going to tip them as much as you should, and there's all that kind of stuff. That's <laughs> not happening here.
2: <laughs> that is lovely. And what's the food like though? Is is it because I know the Australian Open tennis stars all hated their food and complained incessantly about hotel quarantine.
4: Yeah, I think there might be a little bit of a a class divide going on in the hotel quarantine system. And I don't know if I'm just, you know, a real dog shit person. (laughs) I feel like this food isn't too bad. I tell you what's not great, the presentation. The presentation of the food doesn't look great. Um, Mm. And I think, you know, I uploaded a photo of it to my Instagram and lots of people were like, oh, my gosh, praying for you. Um, But, you know, the. It's not too bad flavor wise. Um, I thought I was going to be uber eating because you are actually allowed to uber eat food here as well if you don't want to eat the food they give you. Um, and I thought I'd do that. I thought I'd break day one. But so far, not a single thing uber eats on my account.
1: Well, post MasterChef, uh, Jenna, we don't care what anything tastes like. It's just how it's plated it up.
4: It's cafeteria slop, really, is what it looks like. I wish I, I'll send you guys through some photos, but it's. um. They're not getting any awards because it in like plastic
2: (laughs) containers or something, is that how they do it?
4: Yeah, it's like literally a cardboard cafeteria tray is what I'm getting. You know, I get my little veg in in a in a compartment. I get my meat in a compartment and You could pretend that you're on a on a flight
2: or something. You could pretend you're, you know, jetting off to England or something.
4: That's how I feel. Um and I my my aim really I'm setting my like Goals and standards pretty low here, but my aim is to leave um, here with just more regular bowel function than um, I did when I came in. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, but and so what, what do you yeah.
2: do all day?
4: Yeah, but like, what do you do all day, Charles? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, look, so far, and like, I can't stress enough, I'm, I might still be on this like weird manic high from just coming in last night. Um, but today's been. Taken up with calls not unlike this of people going, Tell me about this and what happens there and can you get coffee and, and what's the bathroom like? And <laughs> you know, so I've just kind of been, I feel like I've just been talking about it. And I actually got off the phone before and I was like, I can't wait to have some time for myself. <laughs> well,
1: the thing about um, Charles and me, though, Jenna, is that because we have children, in my case, a toddler, um, this yeah. is paradise for me. Like, I'm thinking for the rest of today, I'm just going to drive around as many. Shopping centers and places that I can possibly go to in the hope of being a close contact so that I have to isolate for 14 days.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just get yourself into any major shopping center in Sydney and you should be right. Um, But yeah, I've been thinking that too. I think I I do know that there is, I think, a few couples isolating as well, um, which I think sounds like hell because the room is like pretty spacious for one person. But if you were here with your partner or, heaven forbid, your kid, which one woman was on the bus, um, mm. I don't know how you'd, how you'd do it.
2: Well, presumably alcohol is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, yeah. have you drunk anything yet?
4: Yeah, so I, I kind of went into um, really kind of hectic survivalist mode before I came and I bought so much. You know, I never buy things on Amazon um, ethically. And I'm, like, really ashamed to admit that I dropped hundreds on Amazon in because, you know, it was a bit of a last-minute call to come up here. And so I was like, fuck, I need all these things. You know, I'd heard all, from people that I needed a diffuser and I needed to bring my own food because the food was trash, that I needed the speaker. So, I, you know, I was getting deliveries from Amazon in the lead-up, in the week lead-up, like, every single day, um, which didn't make me so awesome about myself. But I'm glad that I did. I, one of those deliveries was a giant bottle, like novelty size, they call it a Magnum, a giant novelty size Magnum of four enhanced hand Shiraz um, from the Barossa Valley.
1: <laughs> nice.
4: Um, uh, yeah, so then I ended up paying $150 in extra luggage. So, um, that well worth it. Well worth
1: it. Well worth
4: it. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and yeah, so- that's me. I have gotten into the alcohol. <laughs>
2: So, are you are you ever gonna are you gonna come back to Sydney or is that
1: it?
4: I like it here at the moment, sadly, and I don't know what that says about life in Sydney. I mean,
1: when you get out, you're just going to be moving freely around Brisbane like a normal human being. So, a bit of a toss up. I mean, yeah. you, you're completely free and living a normal life, but you're in Brisbane. I mean, I don't know how to <laughs> weigh those two things up.
4: <laughs> you know what? I'm actually fully jumping ship at this point. I'm um I'm a Queenslander. You're a Queenslander.
1: <laughs> Oh, my God. You should, oh, you,
4: should um, you should, see how people in Queensland talk about New South Wales up here. I'm, I'm, lying, I'm so, lying. My true identity so, is, um, is not being reserved on this trip. I'm really
2: sorry for you, Jen. I, I didn't quite realise. I, I thought this was going to be a sort of fun, upbeat call. I didn't realise it was going to turn so tragic. I, I'm really feeling for you now, having heard you
1: say, Xander. <laughs> Really Do you want it? us to send you another Magnum? Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I might need a few more Magnums. Weirdly, um, it, the Magnum has been depleted somewhat one night in. So, so much for that extra, <laughs> extra luggage.
1: Well, we'll send you two and that way you can um, use them as weights when you're not drinking.
3: <laughs>
4: oh Well, actually funny you said that because I my disaster coming in was I paid $150 extra in luggage and they immediately confiscated my um, one kilo weight.
1: Apparently oh. in the lab
4: have dumbbells on a plane. So not let to
1: have dumbbells in a plane.
4: Why why not? No. I said it, these are one kilo. Surely like you don't think I'm gonna clobber someone with these um these one kilo. It was all very embarrassing because they were like, Oh, they're only a kilo and then they brought over <laughs> another security guard and they're like, Yeah, they're only tiny. Oh and then they talked and talked about how tiny my weights were. <laughs>
2: they were they were worried that you were going to use them on the plane to get buff. Oh, yeah. Enough to then be able to just physically seize the plane.
3: <laughs>
4: to then um, take on the pilot and kind of hijack the whole, yeah. the whole shebang. Yeah, that's true.
2: Okay. Well, I'm very jealous of you, Jenna, even though you're in Brisbane. We're very jealous because it's horrible down here.
4: I know. I, I feel bad that you might maybe call to get some like peace of mind and, and you've actually heard a success story today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Exactly.
2: We were wanting to shit on you and you've shat on us. Yeah. Thanks.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You can't – well, why don't you just call me um, on day six, hey? Yeah. Okay. That's you've
2: a good
1: You've caught idea.
4: me on a bad time.
1: Yeah. My spirits are high. I, I know, I know the one thing for sure though, Jenna. Um, 14 days – We'll still be here, for, definitely.
4: Yeah, that's um, that may in fact be true. So maybe just don't call me again. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. We're now on your do not call list.
4: <laughs> Too much of a bummer. I don't want bad vibes in here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, well, have a good one.
4: Nice to talk to you guys. Stay strong.
2: This episode brought to you by Skiing. The best way to injure yourself
1: while strapped to two planks. Skiing. Now, Charles, just before we go, um, I know you just back from your holidays, but the team did notice that during your time of, you know, no email, no phone calls, very busy with my kids, they come first. You did manage to record just a little sketch for seven thirty with Mark Humphries, <laughs> didn't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. What, what's wrong with that? It's just that's a that's a. That's pleasurable. It's (laughs) it's working with a really good friend who I like. It's very different to working with the chaser.
1: Because, you know, everyone was there. All the interns were were missing your leadership and your Mm. clarity of vision. And I think they just felt, and I'm passing this on here, I think they felt a little snubbed, Charles. A little hurt.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Well, um, they can get fucked. I really... (laughs) What would you choose? Working with those fucking shitheads and you... Or working with Mark Humphreys, probably the best satirist in the country.
1: I mean, I've spent 44 years trying to figure out how not to work with myself, Charles. <laughs> okay, this just got depressing fast. Let's move on. Uh, there's more news <laughs> around the clock at chaser.com.au. Uh, you can follow us on all the socials, of course. We do like a five-star review, if you'd be so kind. It helps us um, go up the charts. Today's code word is... Um, the Chaser Report is the Ash Barty of podcasts.
2: Oh, that... I like that.
1: Yes, I mean, you'd be lying, but feel if... free to say that. That would yeah, be awesome. Yeah, the Chaser
2: Report is the Ash Barty of, of podcasts.
1: We are still dutifully plugging our event in Melbourne on the 1st of August, Sunday the 1st of August. If, if we can get there, oh, God, we're going to be on the first plane out of Sydney. I can guarantee yeah. that.
2: Well, I, I'm thinking, uh, my wife suggested this, that actually we might be able to get a letter from the podcast <sighs> festival saying that
1: It's essential work. It's essential work. And then we could spend 14 days quarantining down there away from our families. So benefit one.
2: Then we'd be in Victoria. We'd just never come home. Because this Sydney thing is going to last for the rest of the year. That is a great idea. So anyway, so definitely buy tickets to the Melbourne Podcast Festival to get us out of here.
1: We'll make sure we're not contagious when we come down. Um, Our gear is thanks to Rode Microphones
0: and we are part of the ACAST Creator Network. See ya.